Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up? It's your boy, JP. Welcome to Views from the Porch. This is our podcast where we talk about relevant questions that young adults are asking, and I'm here with my dear friend and partner in ministry, the marvelous David Marvin. That's right, marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> marvelous. And Why, I have a speech impediment, and you're making fun of me. And man, I don't feel like that's dude, kind. I'm supporting you by pronunciation tips. Yeah. And also the one and only Elena Haas. Elena Haas. Hey, guys. What's up? What are we talking about today, my man? Today we are talking about the subject of anxiety. What are you worried about? What are people worried about? How do we conquer anxiety? And what does the Bible have to say about the topic of anxiety? Are you a are you a naturally anxious person? It depends on what you mean by naturally. Well, uh, <laughs> I would think it comes naturally. <laughs> uh, how, how many ways can you define naturally? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Here's what I mean is I didn't used to be. And then I, I went through a season where I really struggled with anxiety. Oh, okay. And, there we um, go. And you know, I've been I've been public about that. I've shared with it uh, as I gotten to, to speak and teach from God's word, and so just kind of walked through that journey. But it, it felt like there was something that jumped on me a little over a year ago. And before that, what I would call anxiety is worry. I would you know I would have said, hey, anxious and worry, uh, anxiousness and worry, or anxiety and worry are two of the same things. Um, but I, I no longer believe that. So I think I think my um, a lot of my perspective on this has been shaped now by my experience, and um, which is always dangerous, I would say. But I would say it's it's illuminating what God's word said, um, and I think will make me a better pastor and lover of people, and and hopefully more helpful on this topic. Totally, dude. Because so many people, I mean, it it may not have been a part of your journey until recently, but it's huge. Uh, the number of people that have an anxiety disorder, whatever that means, according to the uh, the American Psychological Association is huge. It's like one in three at some point in their lifetime. So an anxiety disorder is when uh, your anxiety changes, uh, causes you to change your everyday behavior or what you're regularly doing. You have to do something different because of anxiety. So for example, um, I speak on a regular basis and um, and my anxiety, that was, was something that my anxiety targeted was giving messages. Now, if I would have stopped, which was the temptation, hey, I should stop speaking, that would have, um, you know, earned the label of an anxiety disorder. Hmm. But if you, if you know, if you press on and you continue to, you can continue to do the things. Um, I don't think, and again, I'm not a doctor, or let me say clearly, I'm not a doctor, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it earns the label of disorder. That feels like such an interesting definition that I, I would be tempted to shoot holes in it kind of makes sense though if you think about disorder it, it, it uh to take out of order mm-hmm. um to break order or uh to interrupt natural order so but, but let's say something happened where you have a child terminally diagnosed and all of a sudden you're praying in a different way you pray an hour a day every day for that child mm-hmm. that that changes behavioral your day but yeah it's, i don't not, i don't think that's that's, that's not what i mean yeah, yeah that's not what i'm talking about hey one thing you said was uh worry and anxiety before we dive into a few of the things that i think are relevant to our audience and what people are wanting to know about the subject of anxiety and worry 
you said that they're different. What do you mean by that? I think worrying has a, a target. So there's there's something that I'm worried about. There's something in the future that I'm I'm looking to and um, I want to avoid that anxiety it can be just like these waves of like for me it was tied to my heart my heart started beating different um it started experiencing some heart palpitations and i would uh lay down at night and I'd, these waves of anxiety would come and i was just like what am i anxious about like what do i need to change what do i need to do different what do i need to stop doing what is it tomorrow that i'm anxious about and there was no target and uh, so that was one of the big difference was just this manifestation of of a targetless anxiety um, that I would just ex- describe as these waves of of unrest and uneasy feeling huh. from kind of my throughout my torso. Um, I would say like underneath my chin and above my waist, there was just this like shaky feeling that I'd experience inside. But was it anxiety over like if, if my heart's palpitating, I would be anxious like oh man i'm about to have a heart attack no that was like a byproduct of the anxiety it wasn't no it wasn't like i wasn't anxious about my heart it was like um it was just all tied together there was just it's kind of like there's something broke and i think you know it's tied to the the chemicals that our brain releases and uh the way that we think i think uh you know this is a a cheesy cliche saying but i think stinking thinking is a big part of this where you begin to focus on something and you start to internalize just negative thought, a thought life over and over and over and over and over. And you just get obsessed. You get stuck. It's almost like this obsessive, obsessive compulsive um, behavior kicks in where you just get stuck in that, that ways of thinking. And uh, it can, it can drag you down. I heard somebody say, you know, anxiety is contagious, which is that would explain how it's contagious is when you're around someone else with it and they, are, are implanting negative thoughts, you know, then it, it's, it can feel like it jumps on you. Interesting. Okay, so anxiety is a little bit like sleep. It's one of those things that it's hard to, to flip a switch. In other words, if you can't sleep, it's hard to just be like, man, just go to sleep. Uh, when people struggle with anxiety, worry, it's hard to just say, hey, just stop worrying about that. But there are things that the scriptures give us that are, are helpful and practical as it relates to battling with, with anxiety. Would you agree? Absolutely. So what are some of the passages that uh, that uh, have been helpful in the conversation that kind of come to mind? Yeah, before I'm, I'm gonna, let me go into those, but I'd love to, Elena, anything you'd add to what we're saying? Yeah, I think young adults especially, and just a lot of our listeners could be wondering, what do they do if they get stuck in that stinking thinking you were talking about, getting stuck in those obsessive thoughts? I think you guys are going to go into it about the scripture and things you can do with that, but what are some like practical ways you can get out of those, like, cycle of negative thoughts mm-hmm. yeah uh, let me i'm gonna be honest i've never heard the term stinking thinking yeah and so it's not cliche and i i may be the only person who's like what are you talking about right now yeah but do you do you like never leave your house and so that doesn't surprise me <laughs> that it's actually a basement and uh <laughs> it's a i'm surprised what they let you out today <laughs> <laughs> that is not true people we don't have a basement uh <laughs> i uh i just I, everyone I, was concerned about the, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> The tomb is empty, people. There's a lot to be happy about. <laughs> the stinking thinking has got to stop. What is stinking thinking? Elena, take it away. <laughs> I'm going to pass this back to JP. Here's the deal. I mean, it really is. It's negative thought patterns. And, um, and there's, there, here's the problem with this topic is there's a fair way. Okay? So golf term. Like there's an there's, there's inbound way of thinking about it and talking about it. 
and then there's overcorrections, and there's a lot of overcorrections out there. Theologically speaking, it's people um, reading too much into their experience, uh, reading too much into their uh, remedy. Um, everybody has some advice on this topic. Um, everybody's seen a therapist, you know, not everybody, but somebody's seen a therapist that really did wonders. And so there's there's lots of opinions out there, and um, and I, I just want to be careful about separating my opinion and even my experience from what God's Word says and where anything that I experienced or anything that I believe that's different or in contrast to God's Word, um, one, I, I hope they conform to each I hope I conform my, my thoughts and opinions to God's Word. And two, to the listener, I would, if that's, if you're ever in that situation, I would just, I would stand on God's word. That's, that's the unshakable aspect of this. And so what does God's word say in Matthew six? You know, he says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow um, has enough trouble of its own who by worrying can add a single hour to his life. And so he, he, he calls us to put really a, a 12 hour boundary on our worries. And a lot of times our, our worries are of the future, um, or our fears are the future. I've heard an acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing real. And, um, and so, so often say that again in case people false, evidence. false evidence appearing real. And so, so often our worries are not grounded or founded in anything in reality. They're possibilities We're we're worried about a, a possible outcome. And, um, a lot of times, Dare I say, most of the time, our worries are rooted in a perceived lack of control. And so what I mean is we look at a situation, we're, we're upset that we can't control that situation. We're afraid of a possible outcome in that situation. And so that manifests itself, worries in our lives or, um, or anxieties. Uh, Tim Keller has a great quote on this, and I just... Um, I don't have it in front of me. I may butcher it, but it's like um, worry. Worrying is being afraid that God will get it wrong, and bitterness is believing He did. And and that's in that quote. Worrying is being afraid that God is going to get it wrong, and bitterness is believing He did. In that quote, I think is a solution to worry that the Scripture presents, which is the sovereignty of God. It's this really powerful equation that th- there's a God. He there's a God. Okay, so let's start there. There's a God. And that God who exists controls everything. He's sovereign. Everything is under his control. So he's powerful. And that God is good. So be, everything's under his control, but he's good. Like he desires to do the right things. And he loves you. He's crazy about you. So if you make that a math equation, um, God is in control plus God is good plus God loves you, equals your peace. If we can believe that there is a God who is good, who controls everything, then we can be at peace. Like if we can think the one whose care we are under, we're a sheep, and the shepherd who watches over us um, leads us into green pastures. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still water so that we can drink. He provides everything that we need. Um, Surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in his house forever. If we can believe that, then, you know, we, we have peace. So practically how, uh, like, let's use an example. I'm worried I'm going to lose my job. I'm worried I'm going to be single forever. I'm worried about, you know, my, my parents. So let me ask you, what's, what's at the root of that? So let's just, um, I'm worried I'm going to lose my job. I'm worried I'm going to be single forever. 
and I'm worried about my parents. And so what's at the root? If you had to put one word around it, what's at the, what's at the bottom underneath all of that worry? Control. Yeah, so I'm, I can't control when I get married. Um, Things not going the way I want to. I can't control to. my job. I can't control my parents. So you'd say controls, which I think is a good word. Another one, just another spin on that, something to think about is doubt. So I doubt that God, who's in control, I either doubt that he's in control or I doubt that he's good. Or, I, or, I, or I'm afraid that I'm not going to like what he sees as good. You know, it's, it comes down to, at the bottom of it, is just like not trusting the one. And so the, another verse is um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. And so in that, in that scripture it says, one, you have this really clear command, do not be anxious about anything. What can I be anxious about? The scripture says you cannot be anxious about anything. You can be anxious for nothing. Okay, well, how do I, how do I, how do I not be anxious? Present your request to God. So pray um, with prayer and thanksgiving. So pray uh, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so it's just, it's this idea the, the the solution to my anxiety is to understand that God is in control and, and to go to him and to ask him, trusting that he hears me and, and the, the transfer that happens there is that I'm, I'm receiving his peace. So let's go back to the illustration. Cause I think this will be helpful for people. You said God is in control. God loves you. Uh, so God is in control plus God loves you or God is in control plus God is good plus God loves you equals your peace okay so I'm single dude and I'm terrified I'm going to be single for forever or something more my mom's going to die of cancer mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm terrified how mm-hmm. does that like I know God is good and I know God's in control mm-hmm. and I know God loves me but people's moms die of cancer yeah sometimes a good question in that is is the what if and so you play out the worst case scenario so it's like okay Let's just let's let's go singleness, okay? Um, let's just say, what if you're single forever? What if? I'm lonely. Yeah, well, what? We, you don't have to be lonely to be single forever. Does not be lonely, but it does m- mean that you have an unmet or unsatisfied desire. And so you're single forever. You're single for seventy six years. You die. You go up to God. You say, Hey God, what the heck were you thinking? You kept me single down there. I don't even know if I want to be in heaven. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you get to heaven in the 80 billion years, you rejoice in the presence of God. And so there's a, there's a, what happened in the midst of that is somewhere marriage became an idol that if, if not met, if I can't realize that, then I can't be happy. If I can't receive this, then I can't be happy. And you say, okay, well, what about the mom dying of cancer? Because that's different, right? And like you said, moms die of cancer. My mom had cancer. Praise God, she's still with us. But um, but but I remember being afraid that I was going to lose her to cancer, and um, and so sometimes it's like, what if? Well, what if my mom dies of cancer? My mom's a believer; she dies, she goes to heaven. You know, I'm going to miss her. I'm going to mourn. She's going to die sometime. My frustration is I don't like God's timeline. I know my mom's going to die. I just if if she died now, I disagree with God's timeline, and so that's frustrating. Um, you know, God, why wouldn't you? Why didn't you consult me? Why didn't you ask me when my mom could die? And so it's not that I'm mad that God let her die. It's that I'm mad that God let her die before me. I'm mad that God let her die. What I perceive is too early. Um, you know, essentially, I'm mad that I'm not God. 
And that's where you got to be careful because that's really the first sin of Satan in, in um, heaven, you know, the fall of Lucifer. He was a, a beautiful angel and, um, and he didn't want to worship God. He wanted to be like God. And so God sent him here and says, okay, we'll give that a run. See, see if you see what kind of God you are. And you know, the scriptures say he's the God of little G God of this world. Yeah. Man, that's good. Um, so the, just to, to summarize that, there's a power in the question, what if? I think sometimes to see, to run our worries down, let's just run it to the very end. Well, what if? Yeah, I think also to your formula, part of that question, if I'm still anxious and I know or believe those things, there's part of me that doesn't fully believe God's good or fully believe God loves me mm-hmm. or fully believes he's in control. If I'm still, if I'm still battling with... Um, his way being different than my way and me not being okay with it. That's why I was chasing down that word when I asked you, hey, what do you think the in one word the struggle is? It's doubt. I doubt God is good or I doubt God is in control or I doubt that he loves me. And so at the at the root of every worry, every anxious thought is is doubting the goodness of God, the control of God, the sovereignty of God or that or the love of God. Yeah. So practically for someone who struggles with anxiety, what would you encourage them to do? or be doing to battle against that? I'd, I'd say first, can you identify what you're anxious about? Because if you can, sometimes you know that's helpful. And then the, you know, the question asking, what if? Well, what if my, my worst fears come to fruition? Identify the, the thought loop, you know, the lies that you're believing. And then you, you know, the way that we grow anything in life is you feed it. And so if you want to, how, what would you say you battle fear with? What's the opposite of fear? faith yeah i've heard you say that before and so if we want to fight fear we don't fight fear we feed faith and so just to know okay how can i feed faith what makes me love god more i asked a guy at the porch last night somebody came up and I, and they were just like hey um, we were talking about sex last night at the porch that was the message and um and they said you know you're right i think i love sex more than god how do I change that? And I said, well, you love God. You learn to love God more. Let me ask you a question. What makes you love God more? And they said, well, you know, reading the Bible and uh, praying. And I'm like, man, that, is that true? Like, that's not necessarily true for me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what makes me love God more is like a walk in the park, being in nature, away from technology, creating time and space to think, bubble baths. Yeah, he was know? giving you the, the church answer. Yeah. yeah. And, and so y'all didn't jump on that bubble bath, which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> We're just going to keep going, man. Yeah. We're going to pretend that good. didn't happen. We'll edit that out. Yeah, good good rap music. Um, these, uh, a coffee on the front porch, you know, early in the morning when it's still cool outside. These stir my affections for God. And so if I'm, if I'm going to grow my faith, I'm going to do a lot of these things. That's what grows my faith. And so as you struggle with anxiety, you may make sure you're doing the things that feed your faith so that your faith is growing. And, you know, we said earlier, stinking thinking. I mean, how do I change my thinking? How do I move? How do I think about whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy? Think about these things. That, that's a verse that falls right after the do not be anxious. It's Philippians 4.8. Um, and so what does it look like to feed those things? Um, also something that I think leads to anxiety is pride. And so when we start carrying the weight of the world, we, we think we have to do it all. And, uh, a scripture that changed my life in, in that dark time was first Peter five. And it says, therefore humble yourselves under God's mighty hand so that, uh, he may lift you up in his timing or in the perfect timing. Um, 
what does it look like to humble yourselves under God's mighty hand? Uh, and then it's, you know, it says in First Peter 5, 7, it says, cast your anxiety uh, on him because he cares for you. And so I can throw my anxiety on him because he cares for me. What does that look like? And so those are things they don't feel practical. It's it's work of the mind. You know, it's 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 mind work. Hey, how do I shift my mind toward the things of God? What is what does community look like? I know scripture calls us to take every thought captive and we're all about community here, community groups, small groups. What does community look like in that? What do you mean? I mean, there's some element where you widen the circle and, and you invite others to constantly be praying for you, especially if you're in one of those uh, ambiguous, anxiety-filled seasons. Yeah, so for every, right, we would say this, every listen, every person listening right now, like our hope and dream for you, and not ours, not like JP and David's and Elena's, like we believe God's hope for you, we believe God's clear calling on your life, is that you would not go through life alone that you would have a brotherhood or a sisterhood of believers, that you would have other people who know God and love you and who love God and know you, and they're locked arms with you in all aspects of life. And so when you have a dating question, you know anything that we're going to cover on this podcast, sex, um, need accountability, you're struggling with anxiety, you're worried about something, you're waiting to get a call back from work, that those people are locked arms with you. They're praying for you. They're waging war for you. Like we're all in the middle of a spiritual war and you don't want to be in that war alone. And that's, you're going to be the enemy's lunch, you know? Yeah. And so I think regularly confessing, talking, sharing with your community um, and having them pray for you collectively, not in one-off conversations, but group texts, group meetings, sitting in the same room, you know, praying through these things. Good, man. Because it is such a mind game. And if you're all alone in isolation, you will get trapped in your mind. When, when is it the right time to go see a counselor? You know, my wife is a counselor. One of the most common reasons people come in and see are, she sees primarily young adults, anxiety, depression, and then life circumstances. They're dealing with something, but anxiety and depression are huge. Yeah. Well, what, what would she say? How would she answer that? When's the right time for someone to go and see a counselor? You know, I think she would say it's case by case, depending on on um, uh, her practice would highly encourage you to be in a community group, to be a part of some sort of small group or, or support group at your church, whether that uh, is a you know, cell group, life group, Sunday school class, whatever, where you have people around you who are connected to you and who can come along and, and encourage you. And if they find themselves collectively thinking, hey, this this could be something that it would be worth spending more time with someone who's professionally trained to identify patterns of of thought and anxiety and how that's produced and that they could be valuable in your life uh, it, and the collective community around you is encouraging you then it could be appropriate to go there but i don't think there's any like set here's the line in the sand i'm anxious mm-hmm. uh, where it would make sense to come the reason i could tell you probably most people end up coming to see her mm-hmm. you know because she's not responsible for when they come she's mm-hmm. she just kind of tracks that they're there is they find themselves incapacitated at some place mm-hmm. like they're like man i I like couldn't even go to work today. I called in sick because mm-hmm. I was so anxious. Yeah, and I was like, I got to get help, or some life situation has made them. That'd be an example of the disorder. See, yeah, I didn't go to work because of my. So, um, yeah, I th- I, lo- I love that answer. I love that. So let's just say let's back up and when somebody wants to go see a quote unquote professional, um, their options are a counselor, a psychologist, a, a therapist, or a psychiatrist, and um, and those you know four flavors uh may offer four different solutions um and so you know the the psychiatrist may lean more toward um a a prescription or medication 
uh, where a therapist may learn lean more toward, hey, here's some some uh, things to try. Whenever you think this, you know, try to do this, and uh, here's a, a therapy track, and where a counselor is going to, um, you know, be some happy medium or listen to uh, what's going on and and um, you know give you some advice and and I I really love what you said that. Um, that I, I don't know where the line is of like when you engage a quote unquote professional. Um, I know that those uh, folks have really helped people. I just wouldn't do it alone. I mean, I would make sure that you have others in your life that are well aware of the situation first and that, that they're going with you and um, they're listening to the counsel that you're receiving. Cause when your counselor's not there, uh, they are, and they can kind of reiterate, hey, remember, this is what she said. Hey, this was the scripture. And, and I love, uh, you know, Christian counseling or someone that is is the advice that they're given to you, giving to you is rooted in God's word, I think is really crucial. Yeah, You don't want to go see someone who contradicts God's word or goes against God's word. Totally. All right, man. Well, it, here's the most controversial question we're going to ask, and it'll be the last one. Mm-hmm. Is anxiety always a sin? Is anxiety always a sin? And the reason I say controversial is every time that we talk about that, there's always somebody at the porch mm-hmm. where we work that comes up and is like, I can't believe you would say that. And, and it can be a really charged question. Yeah. yeah. So it, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Great. Good, man. Hey, I appreciate that. Any other hard questions you want to ask man, me? Yeah. Let's go divorce, remarriage after okay, this. Good, good. Okay. Uh, is Yeah. And so I'm not afraid of that question at all. Um, but let's just define some terms up front. Okay. So sin. Um, what does sin mean? Sin is missing the mark. And so you have God's ideal. It's, that's the bullseye. And sin is, is something outside of the ideal. And so I think a lot of things that we do is sin, you know, in this fallen world. And that's why I'm so grateful for, for grace and Christ's payment on the cross and, and God's forgiveness of sin uh, through Jesus. And so a lot of things that we do is sin. And so as I think through anxiety, I think, okay, would anxiety have been in the Garden of Eden before the fall? Would people have been anxious? What would you say? No. Yeah, I don't think so. So so it's certainly then the result of sin. Mm-hmm. So before Genesis 3, there would be no anxiety. Now sin enters the world. Sin enters the world, and, um, and we're given to worry and prone to be anxious. And so it's certainly the result of sin. And then I may go as far as to say, hey, whenever we're anxious, um, you know, it is... Um, it is outside of God's best. Like it's not, it's not God's best for us to be anxious. Um, and we said earlier that it's rooted in doubt. And so all of that is less than God's best, which we've defined as sin, missing the bullseye and sin outside of God's best desire for our life, sin. But here's where somebody takes such great offense to that is they say, but I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't not be anxious. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I would just say, I wouldn't focus on the anxiety as the sin, but is there anything underneath it that you can work on or a pattern that you can, uh, you know, change or something you can adapt? And then let me say this, if you would give me the grace to say this thing. Like PTSD is a flavor of anxiety, right? Um, I I didn't know that. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh It is. It it is a, a, a form of anxiety disorder. Hmm. And so... um, 
to the best of my knowledge. Again, I'd like to disclaim I'm not a doctor. I have a, a two-year degree in art. Really? Yeah. I know people are confused. Who's the doctor on the show? No, not a doctor. It's this guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and no, it's not. He's not a doctor either. <laughs> um, he's an Aggie. Yeah, it's close. Okay. Same thing. So there's there's people who are anxious because of something that happened to them. All right? Can you imagine? And so I, I would hate for them to hear... Hey, what you feel is a sin when you were only a victim. Yeah, I wouldn't want anyone to hear that. That's good. And I, I, so I would say it's the result of a sin, um, some and maybe someone else's sin. Um, it's a result of a fallen world and maybe the sin of Adam. Adam, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you were at war and you came back with PTSD or you were a victim of of rape or or some sort of terrible circumstance, and so you you are anxious after that, I wouldn't want you to think, oh man, he just said that that my condition is a sin i would say well it's it's the result of sin and there and I, I here's what i want you to hear and so lean in if that's you if i'm talking to you right now is is there is remedy and you don't have to live hopeless and the path of recovery may be a long one it may be difficult um, but there are steps that you can take starting with you know, making sure that you're plugged into a body of believers, making sure you have Christians around you, um, seeking help from the right sources, and and beginning to walk a path of recovery. And I, and I really believe that that's available to you, but it may be a difficult path, you know. And um, it may start with forgiveness for you, depending on the circumstances, situation. It's good, man. One step of faith at a time grows your faith. It's good. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been fun uh, to be with you guys as we wrap up. Uh, Elena has actually prepared a song for everyone. It's called, <laughs> the, ang- it's called the Anxiety Song, and okay. so it's, it's going to be great. Hold on, let Should me get I the, save it for the, the next recorder. podcast or do it now? <laughs> oh, we are recording. Never mind. <laughs> Give it to them. Did you just Give say let me? Did you just say let me get the recorder? I was gonna, I was gonna get the. Uh, <laughs> you were gonna record it, huh? Hey guys, let's edit that <laughs> okay. out as well. All right. Hey guys, y'all have fun. We will see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at the Porch.